0: Hello, and welcome to Let Me Speak, the show that shares sports' biggest news, explain, uninterrupted, and maybe a little audacious. I'm Joe Braverman, and today's topics include Week 9 in the NFL, heading into the second half of the season, who needs to prove themselves? Plus, Christmas or MLK Day? What's the better time for the NBA to start their new season? And, the Gold Glove winners in the MLB who deserved the awards, and who got snubbed. Let Me Speak starts right now. started as we look into week nine of the NFL. There are a lot of good games coming up, uh, and we are just going to preview these games as if there are no COVID cases and there will be no changes to the schedule. Of course, we can never know. Seattle and Buffalo, one of the early games that I'm really looking forward to. You have to wonder where Buffalo is in terms of their mentality after beating the Patriots, but not only that, but they squeaked out a victory. I mean, if it wasn't for a Cam Newton fumble, Buffalo would have probably dropped that game to New England because they were in field goal range. You never know what could happen in overtime. and Or they could have scored the touchdown and end up losing the game. So, again, it's going to be a prove-it game. You know, they did give up 21 points to a struggling New England team, but we're talking Seattle. Okay, we're talking the early Super Bowl favorites right now with who I think should be the MVP the rest of the way, Russell Wilson. He's going to lead the charge, but that connection with him and Metcalf, oh my goodness, that is incredible. What What's funny about Seattle is for so many years, people were talking about the Legion of Boom and their defense with Chancellor and Sherman and Thomas and Malcolm Smith when he won the MVP in the Super Bowl. But this year, it's all about their offense. Their offense is really getting it done, and the Seahawks... I think, right now, the favorites out of the NFC, uh, depending on what the second half can go. This, again, this game really is going to start the second half of the Seahawks. What can they do? Because that is a competitive, competitive NFC and an NFC West. I mean, they're basically half a game up on Tampa Bay and only a handful of games up on who's sitting in eighth place right now in the Chicago Bears, so... Really, Seattle can't take their foot off of the gas pedal. They have to keep going forward. And I think if Russell Wilson continues the play that he's doing, he is going to lead that Seahawks to the number one seed and maybe to the Super Bowl again for the first time in five or six years. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking at the other 1 o'clock games, you've got Baltimore and Indianapolis. That one's going to be a little bit of a sneaky sneaky fun matchup I think because the Colts they're one of those teams where they have yet to be taken seriously I mean they're five and two but it's really quiet right now they're sitting in the sixth place uh spot right now but you've got teams nipping on their heels for that other wild card spot you've got the Browns who by the way if you don't know it will be seven teams in the playoffs instead of six so you got the Browns in seventh you got the Raiders and the Dolphins right there at 4-3. and three. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what the Colts will do in this second half of the season. But I think with Phillip Rivers, there's some veteran leadership there. I think he's going to try and enforce his way through. But we're talking about the big story, obviously, though, is the Ravens. And what they did against Pittsburgh, losing uh, 28-24. You know, what can Lamar Jackson do against these big teams? You know, He can play well in the regular season, but he can't do well in the postseason. It kind of sounds like an old Indianapolis Colts quarterback named Peyton Manning. Manning would have great regular seasons, but he just wouldn't get it done in the postseason most years. So Jackson is really going to have to prove himself. We know he's got the talent. We know he's got the skill. He's got the ability. But he's just got to keep his team afloat right now. He's got to keep them in that playoff picture. And I do think initially they will... Hit the playoffs. They're sitting at five and two, but when you look at the other teams uh, in the AFC, I don't see them really getting on a big losing streak, anything like that. I don't see them dropping out of the playoffs at all. But you've got uh, some other great one o'clock matchups. You got Kansas City waiting to get that leap ahead of Carolina, and I think Kansas City again eventually they will be the ones to take over the number one spot. From Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they're seven and zero right now, but I expect them to lose uh, maybe one of their games because you look at the schedule uh, for the Steelers. Not a lot of easy matchups coming up. They're in a tough AFC North. They've still got to face the Ravens one more time. They got to face the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. You got the Bengals, who I really think Joe Burrow is a future superstar. I got a feeling that Pittsburgh might trip up one way or another. And the Ravens, uh, or the Chiefs, I should say. You look at the Steelers, and you got a feeling they are going to trip up somewhere in that schedule. And then the Chiefs are going to be right there to overtake them in that first spot. Uh, But looking at the later games for Week 9, I'm really paying attention to the Raiders. You know, what can Derek Carr do? He's got his best completion percentage of his career. And he's going into L.A. He's going to face Justin Herbert, a Charger team that might make a run. I highly doubt it, but they might make a run. Uh, The Raiders, again, it's a prove-it game. It is a real prove-it game to show that they are contenders. Because I honestly think heading into that last spot in the playoffs, it's going to be the Browns or the Raiders. It's going to be one of those two. Uh, Because you got, again, Cleveland, they don't have their playmaker in Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield—he's got a little bit of inconsistency. I do still think he is legit, though. I I still think he is a legit quarterback to be taken seriously. But of course, the Browns are on a bye. But again, the Raiders—they have to stop with the inconsistency, and they got to pull out a few wins in a row. And then you got the other 425 game. I'm looking out for Miami and Arizona. I think that is going to be the game. Of the week, I know we've got the Sunday night game with the Saints and the Bucks, but I mean Tua versus Kyler, that's going to be really interesting. And I think again, the the theme for Week Nine is all about prove it. Heading into the second half, you got to prove if you're legitimate or you're not. And I think Tua Tagovailoa, he had a great game against the against the Rams, but the Rams have shown a ton of inconsistencies. It was really their defense. For the Dolphins and their special teams last week that propelled them to the victory. Tua had some good throws, but I think this Cardinals defense is a lot tougher than the Rams defense. I mean, you got Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker in the secondary. Uh, You got an incredible D-line for the Cardinals. Uh, It's going to be really entertaining to see what Tua can do. And we're not going to make judgments right away on Tua. If he has a bad game, he's going to have a terrible rest of the year. I just think, for me personally, Tua has to do more. He has to do more to really prove it to to, to scouts that you know people who passed on him before he got selected uh, with the sixth pick for the Dolphins to show what they missed on, and that that hip injury that he suffered at Alabama isn't ruining his career for anything like that. But I think Arizona. I do expect them to win this game. They are at home. They've got. A ton of weapons on offense. You got DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's going to explode for a monster game. And I think the Cardinals are going to take this game. Because again, a very tight NFC. The Cardinals are only half a game out. The Cardinals are only one game out of first place in the NFC West. Behind the Seahawks who are at 6-1. and one. And remember, the Seahawks are playing Buffalo, who do play tough. So if Seattle drops that game, the Cardinals can take this one. They might take over that number one spot. Because remember, the Cardinals beat the Seahawks in overtime. But it's just going to be a really tight race to the end. I mean, you've got the Sunday night game. You couldn't pick a better Sunday night game with the Saints and the Bucks. Breeze versus Brady. And the big story, obviously, for tampa is the return of antonio brown i mean you have to look at that offense what they have now not only do they have tom brady but you've got a two-headed monster in the backfield in ronald jones and leonard Fournette. but you've got mike evans you got chris Godwin. you've got gronk and now you add antonio brown i mean it's definitely gonna be interesting although i do think for this week Don't expect Brown to maybe have a monster game. I know the reports are coming out that he's in great shape. But you have to remember, he hasn't played a game in over a year. He hasn't taken physical contact in a game in over a year. So I don't know if Brown is going to have huge numbers. I don't know if they're going to play him as much. But I think they're just going to give him a little game feel. And just see where he is and what they can do for this team moving forward, but it, it's really more about the attitude because we know Brown has the talent, okay? But he has got to be the biggest diva in the NFL of all time. I'll, I'll put him up there with Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson. I, I'll put him up there with all of them. I think he exceeds all of them as the biggest diva. Remember, this was a guy who walked out on Pittsburgh because he didn't get the team MVP. Okay. That just shows the ego that he has. But you never know. Maybe this year and the suspension maybe humbled him up a little bit. We'll have to see come Sunday night. And of course, you kind of got a little snoozer of a Monday night game with the Pats and the Jets. I think if the Pats don't win this game, there's no chance at all. There's no chance for Cam Newton in New England as the future quarterback. Uh, and then for the Jets, obviously you got the biggest laughing stock in the in the entire NFL. The Jets are the only winless team right now, and they're on their way to getting Trevor Lawrence with that number one pick. But we'll have to wait and see. Week nine, it's uh, gonna be a fun week. So stay tuned for all that. Now let's shift over to the NBA and there are reports coming out that the NBA's board of governors and players associations are going to have meetings on this Thursday when we record and they are expecting to maybe agree on a December 22nd start to the 2020 2021 NBA season and play a 72 game scheduled and we've heard commissioner Adam Silver really picking up the urgency on the on starting before Christmas because reports are coming out that over 30% of revenue for the NBA is going to be lost. We're talking TV deals, uh, contracts, the salaries might go down. And I get it from a money standpoint, but you have to look at this from the player's side. That's the big thing right now is the player's side because you got to remember, The NBA season just came to an end in October. The NBA Finals just finished on Sunday, October 11th. And now you're telling teams who were deep in the playoffs to, hey, say, hey, two months later, you're going to start a whole new season. You got to remember, there are some old guys in the league who were in the playoffs this year. You've got LeBron, who's 35. You got Rajon Rondo, who's 34. You know, you've got Dwight Howard, who's 34. You got all these guys who just finished. They just finished the season. And now you're not giving them an adequate number of time rests. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that, you know, it's the terms of rest and stuff like, oh, they need rest. They can't play in these games. But you got to remember, the NBA Finals finishes in June And then training camp doesn't start until September. So that's three months. So you're basically telling the NBA, you're going to lose one month because we want the money. We want the money. And I get it from a business standpoint. You're going to lose a ton of money if you don't have games on the biggest day of the year in Christmas. And not having fans is going to be such a problem. You're going to lose a ton of money. But you have to look at this from a player's standpoint. They're tired. They're old. I mean, you have to look at the teams. Basically, 24 or maybe maybe 20 of the NBA teams are just going to be gassed. They might not be game ready. All right? It's only been... Right now, it's only been less than a month since the NBA started. It's only November 5th. And you're telling these guys, in one month, we're going to do the draft free agency, and we're going to start the season. Like, you just can't do that. You can't do that to these players. You can't look at this from a business standpoint. This It sounds crazy to start. And it the reports are coming out that they will most likely start before Christmas, but they just have to accommodate the players. They have to accommodate some of these players. And I like what Andre Iguodala said on Center earlier this week. Remember, he is the Players Association first vice president, he just said he wants the players to be heard. He wants the league to listen to the players. And I think the NBA does that more than any other league. I think Commissioner Silver does a great job of listening to his players while at the same time balancing the business aspect of this. So he completely, you know, you could put yourself in that meeting and you could put yourself in Adam Silver's shoes and say, I completely get where you're going but he just has a way of balancing the business with the players' good intentions in mind. So that's going to be a real interesting interesting development. You know, reports will say that they'll start before Christmas, but that just means it's going to be a busy off-season for the NBA. talk about the gold glove winners here for 2020 in the MLB both in the AL and the NL and there were a lot of surprises a lot of yeah you kind of knew they were going to be there but there were also a couple snubs so let's just show you the list right here you've got Roberto Perez from the Indians you've got Evan White on the Mariners you go down the list I'm very sentimental of Alex Gordon with the Royals he did announce that he will retire after the season, so good for him to go out on top, winning that gold glove in left field. And you've got Luis Robert right there. How about a rookie from the Chicago White Sox picking up a gold glove? And then, of course, Joey Gallo in the AL. And then you've got the NL as well. Tucker Barnhart for the Reds. you got Anthony Rizzo right there with the Cubs, along with Colton Wong and the Cardinals. How about Javi Baez picking up another one for the Cubs? Uh, He's one of only few teams that have two Gold Glove winners right there with the Mariners and the Rangers. You got Arenado there at third base, but then the big one, obviously, is Mookie Betts right there in right field with his new team, the Dodgers, the newest World Series champ, picking up his fifth straight Gold Glove. Now, you have to really remember who is not on this list, and one player that Everyone talks about maybe getting snubbed year after year is Jackie Bradley Jr. from the Boston Red Sox because people in the Red Sox organization and fans know that Bradley is a tremendous defensive uh, center fielder and what he's done for the Red Sox in this shortened year. I think the problem is he just doesn't show up with his bat. That's the thing is you've got you've got Mookie Betts, who's just a monster on offense. All of these guys are really good offensive players, but Bradley's numbers just don't show up. They're very low, and I think that's the problem that he has when he's snubbed with all these gold gloves is he'll make incredible play after incredible play. But you have to remember, though, uh, that you've got Arenado, who's an MVP candidate. Mookie Betts is a former MVP candidate. Alex Gordon, a former World Series champion. All right, so Bradley just has to pick it up with his bat, and then maybe, maybe he will get the recognition for the gold glove. And another one also for a gold glove in the AL might be uh, Kevin Kiermaier for the AL champion Tampa Bay Rays. All right, we've seen the incredible plays that he can make, and he isn't on this list. You got to remember that. What about Byron Buxton, maybe, from the Minnesota Twins? He's there, too. All right, he he was tied for third among all players with 11 defensive runs saved. And you're telling me he didn't make this list? And a rookie in Luis Robert made this list? Are you kidding me? It, it, it's, a little, it's a little crazy, I think. But everyone here in the Gold Glove had tremendous defensive years and... The question will become, then, the free agency. What's going to happen now? Because you've got Colton Wong, who's now a free agent, after the Cardinals didn't pick up his team option. So he's probably going to get a ton of money as well after winning that, that gold glove there at second base for for the Cardinals. He's probably going to look for some money elsewhere. So I don't know if the Cardinals would, uh, would want to do that, if they want to let go of... Colton Wong like that after he just won this gold glove out there in second base. And you got Javi Baez as well. You got Cesar Hernandez from the Indians over at second base. Remember, everyone gets a bonus. But really, the big one has to be the salary increases of Perez from the Indians and Barnhart from the Reds. The two catchers, they were making... $250,000 $250,000 to start the year for this upcoming year. And now they're going to make f- five and a half to $4 million. Talk about a leap. All right. that That is insane. But now we have to look at the other MVP and the Cy Young races as well. Pre- uh, predicting coming up. We've got the, the Cy Youngs coming up. Uh, so the three finalists in the NL Cy Young are Jacob DeGrom for the Mets, who's going for his third straight, Trevor Bauer, and Yu Darvish. So I think that's going to be really interesting right there because if Trevor Bauer can win the Cy Young and he heads into free agency, he is probably going to get a ton of money from whoever offers it. Maybe the Red Sox or the Reds who might want to re-sign him. But if Trevor Bauer can win... That would be good for him specifically. And then you've got Jacob deGrom. I mean, he's got to be up there with the all-time Mets in terms of pitching. If he wins, he'll join Randy Johnson and Greg Maddox as the only pitchers to win three straight. But you've got Trevor Bauer, who's got a tremendous, and I know it was a shortened season, but a 1.73 ERA in his 11 starts That is a great number to have. And how about you, Darvish, though? There was a lot of hype when he signed with Texas a while back. And people just thought he was was a dud. He wasn't going to do anything. And look at him. Now he's a finalist for the Cy Young. All right. So these are three deserving, deserving Cy Young candidates. But then you've also got the MVP race as well. With three, I would call him, a few surprises. Obviously, Mookie Betts, not much of a surprise there after the season he had. Freddie Freeman, though, from the Braves. I think this is the first time he's been a finalist for MVP. And then you've got Manny Machado from the Padres. I honestly do think it's going to be Mookie Betts. I think he's going to win the MVP. I mean, he did help the Dodgers break that streak of the World Series, but just looking at the numbers that he had, I think he's probably going to run away with this one. I think he'll get his second MVP uh, after he got his first one with the Red Sox. And then turning to the AL, you've got the Cy Young finalists in Shane Bieber, Kentameda and Hunjin Ryu, and I think it's going to be Bieber. I think I think Shane Bieber is is going to take this one for the Cy Young. And he just had a tremendous year for the Indians. Kind of got a little bit overlooked, uh, but I think Shane Bieber, uh, the ace right there, he led the MLB in wins, and in a, in a shortened season, if you can have that many wins, I think you have to you have to come up with that one. I mean, he went eight and one, and he had 122 strikeouts in just over 77 innings pitched. Okay, he led the majors in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. Okay, he should win it. If he doesn't win it, that would be very surprising. But then you've got the AL MVP, or you've got Jose Abreu, Jose Ramirez, and DJ LeMahieu. I mean, talk talk about a really different MVP race. You've got Abreu, who's, you know, it's his first time as a finalist over at first base. And then you've got Jose Ramirez and DJ LeMahieu. These are all infielders. Okay, normally you're looking at like a, a right fielder or a left fielder, but how about all three finalists coming from the infield? And I think I do think that DJ LeMahieu not only is going to w- win the a- AL MVP, but he's going to get a big time contract because remember he really finished on a discount basically. He he signed for the Yankees on a discount and he's had two tremendous years for New York. And I would be very surprised if he maybe went back to New York on a less sa- lesser salary. Or will the Yankees pay him what he's looking for? We'll have to wait and find out. But he hit 364, which was a league best. He'll hit the free agent market. It's going to be very interesting. And then the last bit of awards are the Manager of the Year awards. You've got Kevin Cash. Charlie Montoyo, and Rick Renteria. And, man, it, this is a tough one for me, personally. Because you got Kevin Cash, really the... I think he he's the favorite right now. Because Tampa Bay, they really came out of nowhere, basically, and made it all the way to the World Series. No one expected that. But then again, you've got uh, Montoyo from the Blue Jays. Who, again, the Blue Jays and the White Sox really weren't expected to do anything... And they both made the playoffs. Although, I I just think Kevin Cash is going to win. It's going to be Cash and I think Rick Renteria, after leading the White Sox to the playoffs, he'll finish second and Montoya will finish third. But then when you get to the NL, you got Don Mattingly from the Marlins, Jace Tingler from the Padres, and David Ross from the Cubs. And again, I think if you're breaking the drought, if you're breaking a playoff skid, you have to give it to Mattingly. And the Marlins. Because you got to remember, Miami lost 105 games this year. They had to basically go on a pause for about a week after the multiple COVID cases that came out when the season started. And they still made the playoffs. I mean, I couldn't even name one player on that team. And they made the playoffs. So that that will be a really fun race uh, all around the league. Uh, You've also got the Rookie of the Year Awards, which, honestly, it's kind of hard to say just because it's been a shortened season. Um, But, hey, keep an eye out. These these, all-stars, these these award winners, they could be in line for a big payday. I'm going to tell you a story. So now it is time for the lgl segment of the show yes let's get local obviously i am a massachusetts fan born and raised still live here and the patriots the celtics the bruins the red sox they are all my teams and we'll start with the big story obviously which is the patriots well, I- question surrounding Cam Newton. Did he take a step forward or did he take a step back in that game against the Bills? And I will say just just Cam Newton doesn't look the same. And I don't know if it's because he was diagnosed with COVID. I don't know if it's because he's a bit on the older side. He's 31. But he just doesn't look the same. And not to say that he played bad against Buffalo, because I mean, he was down the field. But he just made one mistake, one big mistake. And looking at that replay, when you see the tackler um, punch the ball out of Newton's arms, you have to think that that's not necessarily on him. He got his hand on the ball and uh, took it away from Cam Newton. That's really the big thing. So I think Cam Newton, this this game, as I mentioned earlier in the Week 9 preview, this game against the Jets here on Monday night is absolutely huge for him because this is really going to show are the Patriots really, really done or can they make a little bit of a run? That's going to be the big thing. But obviously with the trade deadline, they did pick up another wide receiver. They picked up Isaiah Ford from the Dolphins. I really don't think that's going to make that much of a difference. There's still, you know, the options are limited right now. Harry's out, Edelman's out. Although I do like what Damian Harris is doing for the Patriots. I think he's going to be that running back of the future. And, you know, I feel bad for Sony Michelle cause he's sitting on IR. And meanwhile, Harris is just running away with the ball. You know, if Michelle can maybe come back and they can make a little two headed monster in that, not to mention James white in the passing game, that could be a good backfield for the Patriots to have. But again, They just don't have the weapons on offense, okay? Jacoby Myers, he's playing good, but he's not a number one. He's not a number one. And on on defense, they played better. They played better against the Bills, but we're talking the Jets here. If they can't stop the Jets, you might as well throw in the white flag and officially declare it over. But there's still a chance here in the second half of the season that the Patriots could turn a corner and drive forward. Obviously, I'm an optimist, not a realist. Because who really knows with with New England? They've been very inconsistent. And right now, I know the eyes are on Cam Newton, but this is on the team. Alright, this is nothing on Cam Newton. He's, his running has struggled, yes, but he does not have a wide receiver. He doesn't have viable options as a number one. All right. So that is the big thing, is that he just does not have a number one on that offense. And if they if they lose to the Jets, you could call the season over. You will you can officially put the nail in the coffin and you can call it over. Because the Jets they are just they're the biggest laughing stock in the NFL right now. Okay, they're the only winless team, and if you lose to them, that will be an embarrassment for the Patriots. Okay, but moving on, let's talk about the Red Sox, because that is also the big story. The Red Sox have narrowed down their finalists for manager, and there are two. there's one surprise and one uh, not so much of a surprise. You've got Alex Cora, who just finished off his suspension. From his role in the videotaping with the Astros. But then you've got Sam Fold, an executive from the Phillies. Which is very surprising because I do remember uh, Sam Fold playing as short as five years ago. And we're talking about a manager now. But I ultimately think in my heart of hearts that Alex Cora is going to be the manager of the Red Sox. Okay, He loved the Red Sox. The Red Sox loved him. And it was just an unfortunate situation what happened uh, when he got let go before the start of the 2020 season. I just really think, I mean, we saw A.J. Hinch get a job with the Tigers, so why can't Cora get it? If he can get a job before Cora can, I, there's there's no reason Cora shouldn't get another job with the manager as a manager. Would it be for the Red Sox or for someone else? But I ultimately think that Alex Cora is going to come back because, I mean, come on. In 2018, everyone talked about, oh, the 119 winnings. They were incredible players. But you need a great manager as well to manage all of that. And Alex Cora did just that. So, you know, with him at the helm, I think some free agency decisions are going to be absolutely key. He's going to have a good force in that. And not only that, but you might get some comfortability with, with JD Martinez, with Ben Attendee. Uh, because rem- and uh, Christian Vasquez, because you gotta remember, this was in February that uh, they let Alex Cora go and they had Ron Renicky come in. So you have to wonder from the player' standpoint, okay, there's a whole new manager in here, and we weren't even expecting it. So they had to take a real step back, but you you think maybe they'll get more comfortable. you know, after Martinez, you know, he he loves playing in Boston, as you can see, Opting into the final two years of his deal, you know I think he could have another great year come 2021 if Cora becomes the manager. Not only that, you've got a healthy Benintendi, you've got a healthy Christian Vasquez, you've got that left side of the infield all wrapped up in Devers and Bogarts. You know this could be a good year for 2021, but you never know. It all starts at the manager position with Alex Cora. And then to finish it off, you got the Celtics and the Bruins still in their offseason. And the reports coming out for the Celtics is that they are targeting Paul Millsap in free agency. And I think you could get him on a discount. I think if he wants to play for a championship, he will sign with the Celtics. If he's looking for money, he will go elsewhere. But the big thing is that they need defense down low. Tice is a good center, but he just isn't the starting caliber center that you're looking for. Okay, because who else do you have? You have Ennis Cantor, He doesn't have any defense. All he does is rebound and score. But then you've got Robert Williams, who just catches lobs and throws it down, and occasionally will throw in a block here and there. I think they need size. They need a center. And I don't know which one they're going to get on a discount, but they just need a center. But then the other reports are also coming out That Gordon Hayward is on the trade block. And honestly, if he does opt in, I would like to see the Celtics keep him. I really would because when really the big thing that's the problem with Hayward is that he just can't stay healthy. When he's healthy, he is a top four player for the Celtics. That is the big thing for Gordon Hayward right now. And I really don't think it would be smart to trade him because he really really can play defense as well but there are reports coming out that the pacers are eyeing gordon hayward would there possibly be a trade for maybe miles turner as a center that would be the only trade that i would see work out is that if they can get miles turner out of this if they can get him out of this then you could go forward with it but honestly i i want to see gordon hayward stay with the celtics he's Someone in the locker room that you want to have, definitely. But then there are also other reports about the Celtics. Who are they going to target, possibly, in the NBA draft? There are rumors about R.J. Hampton, possibly. Because remember, they've got that 14th pick that they got in the trade with Sacramento. R.J. Hampton, I think he could be a big threat. But I think the big thing is going to be he's probably going to be taken early. He's probably going to be taken early. So you have to think, who can you get at a very cheap rate? But the draft is a couple of weeks to get away. We well, you will have to see. And then lastly, with the Bruins, you know, a little quiet on their end. Not, not a ton of news right now, but reports are coming out that the 2020 2021 season is going to start in the NHL they are targeting New Year's Day on January 1st and they said they want fans if they have no and there are some reports that said no fans, no season which is very surprising because hockey is a game that's really determined on fans but again I'll say it with the Bruins, just like I've been saying for a long time. No Pasternak, no Marshawn to start the season. It's going to be a struggle early on. The question is, can the Bruins sustain that heading into possible postseason? If they can stay afloat, then they have a chance. If not, I really don't think the playoffs are an option for the Bruins because they've got some aging players in Bergeron and Chara and Charlie Coyle and all of them. I just don't think that would be enough to take it down the reigning Stanley Cup champion in Tampa Bay, you got the Leafs, you got your rivals, the Canadiens, the Hurricanes. It's going to be really tough for the Bruins with all those injuries to, to really stay afloat, but hey, we will see come 2021 when the season for the NHL officially gets underway. And now, finally, it is time for our head-scratcher LOL moment of the week. And this week's moment is going to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, I don't know if you saw photos or videos from the Dolphins' latest practice down in Miami, but Fitzpatrick was shown in really, and I mean really short shorts, and he had trimmed his beard. Now, the reports are coming out for Fitzpatrick that he had the short shorts and which uh, are called booty shorts. Apparently, I, I won't say that um, <laughs> it's important. It's uh, reported that it was because of Isaiah Ford, who was traded to the Patriots and. He was paying tribute to them. But if you have you seen the photo? My goodness. I mean, they are in Miami. They are in Florida. So it does get very hot, I understand. But <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, he's going to be looking back. And I'm not going to say he's going to be Hall of Fame because he started for so many teams. But he's probably going to be one of the most remembered, easily remembered, players in the entire NFL. I mean, you see the beard that he think he grows that thing like it's insane. And then he's got the shorts that are going all the way to up to his thighs. It's like he's playing the NBA in the 70s. That's just insane for Fitzpatrick. And hey, I guess you got to get attention when you're the backup. You know, you got you got benched for no reason, you got to make headlines some way somehow and that's how he did it. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, congratulations, you got the head-scratcher LOL moment of the week. So that will do it for this edition of Let Me Speak. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you ever want a point that you just want to get up, just tell the person next to you, shut up and let me speak.